You hear that? Your dog knows spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, playing fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including Nexgard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com and promo code PODCAST. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Do you have a quarterback? Oh, uh, right. It's one of those where the plan feels a little loose, but I feel, I feel good about it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We have, we have some structure. We have, we have some, some bullet points. All right, here we go. In three, two, and one. It's the Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I am Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. It is 49ers week, Logan. And uh, instead of just previewing the game and going like, hey, uh, this is how Jacoby Brissett and the commander's offense matches up against the Vaunted 49ers defense, which we will do some of. Uh, I think it'd be a better use of our time today to kind of look at the way the 49ers have been built as one of the model organizations in the NFL. Obviously, they're coming off a loss uh, to one of the other model organizations in the NFL and the Baltimore Ravens. But take a look at how they've built it up as a potential model for the commanders as they will embark on their rebuild here in a couple of weeks. Um, And I think it's extra great that we get to do this, Logan, because at the start of the 49ers rebuild, there was a veteran tight end brought into the fold (laughs) by a head coach who had just been hired named Kyle Shanahan, um, to, to help institute some things and, and uh, be a set of eyes and, and you know, a productive player in, in some aspects. Uh, and and that, that guy's name was Logan Paulson. So yeah. you, you were there at the start of this thing. 
Yeah, I was there at the start of the thing. And it was really interesting to be there for it, you know, because I think you like, you know, obviously I got a lot of respect for Kyle, but like the team was and the roster was kind of in a weird spot. And it took a lot of like cleaning house to kind of get things right. And you bring guys in um, like I was one of them and I expected to have a certain role. And then as camp goes on, you realize that certain guys like George Kittle emerges and uh, Brent Selleck does a great job and, you know, but Vance McDonald, who was their second round pick from like three years prior gets traded. And so there was this really interesting kind of shuffling of cards and feeling stuff out and saying, this works, this doesn't. And I think also kind of weeding into the culture a little bit and saying like, this is the right cultural fit, or this is how we communicate with these guys. And also seeing Kyle establish himself as a head coach, you know, cause I'd only <clears throat> prior to that only known him as a coordinator. He'd only been a coordinator. And, you know, he was a guy that um, is is like he's a he's a very smart football guy, but, you know, didn't relate to people very well. So watching him kind of cultivate that skill set and then getting kind of to see, you know, like Adam Peters, like as a young kind of executive in, in that room, who's kind of uh, I, I don't know his official title, but he's part of their he's, scouting. He's the assistant GM now. Right. Um, so, I don't know what he was at the time. Yeah, but I'm saying like seeing those guys kind of, you know, mm -hmm. Mike McDaniels and all I, and just everybody kind of starting this this process and to see where it's gotten to it is pretty dramatic, I think. So um, it is an interesting roadmap and it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows, especially in those first couple of years for him. But it did turn. And I think, you know, why did it turn? I think you get people in there that kind of share the same vision get more talent in the roster, get people that fit your offensive identity. And I think that's one of the advantages, you know, in terms of team structures of having your head coach be your offensive coordinator, because you can say, and also having such a good relationship with the GM. I think that's something that people sleep on. I think the, the GM head coach structure is the way to go. But having that relationship where he can go to John and be like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. And then John respects Kyle enough to like implement those decisions and kind of communicate that to his staff. And I think that that's something like just that line of communication, the ability of the owner in that situation, because I know this was a big deal for Kyle to kind of step back and let those dudes play in the sandbox and build what they wanted to build. That whole process was really fascinating. And to see the to see it blossom into what it has become, um, it makes a lot of sense in hindsight. But I, when you were in it face, you know, face to the grindstone type of thing, it was very unclear that that was the direction uh, it was going to go. So I think there's a lot of different facets to, to talk about here. Um, one, I think is encouraging that we don't even have to discuss that much. Josh Harris is absolutely a hire smart people, let them play in the sandbox right. type of owner. So that's, that's obviously very encouraging. Um, and I do want to get to the way their roster is built in a second. And that will, uh, you know, lend to some game preview as well with talking about Brock Purdy and, and how it's been able to work for them, taking Mr. Irrelevant into an MVP candidate, even if again, that candidacy obviously did take a shot uh, Monday night against Baltimore. But I think the place I would like to start in, in thinking about this uh, is with the coaching staff and how Kyle built that, because that mm -hmm. is something that we have talked about here where the past couple of years, the staff just has not been like, there aren't a bunch of future head coaches on this staff and there haven't been. And in fact, there's only been one past head coach on this staff too in Jack Del Rio before he was dismissed earlier this year. And I think at times that has been very detrimental uh, and basically at all times, frankly, it's been very detrimental to the attempts at success here in Washington where you haven't had the best and, and there haven't been, um, you know, there, there hasn't necessarily been complementary skill sets where you look at San Francisco and what they've built. Kyle has built a staff that allows him to still be the offensive coordinator to the point that when Mike McDaniel left, they actually never replaced him. There is no official offensive coordinator on Kyle's staff. It's Kyle. 
Um, but he has Anthony Lanny, has Steve Wilkes, like he has former head uh, or pat, past head coaches. Um, he had a guy in D'Amico Ryan's before Steve Wilkes, who was a future head coach. Um, there, there's never been a fear of having talent uh, where you're going to feel threatened or for whatever other reasons people don't have talented folks beneath them. And there's always been an experience level that allows Kyle to, to make sure all the, the bases are covered uh, while still being the offensive coordinator. And obviously you have much more detail on that, having lived that and having seen Kyle set up the first version of it. But what have you seen in terms of how they have built the staff, maybe in a little more detail, uh, you know, in any, in any relevant point from comprehensive, uh, you know, or, or, you know, cohesive thought processes to complementary skill sets to whatever else you think makes a good staff. Well, I think the thing that I've just always been blown away with Kyle, with Sean, you know, when you look at their staffs, they just get really talented people in the building and then they, they develop coaches. I mean, I don't know how they do it. I think it's part of it. Like I would assume, um, you know, I haven't talked to anybody specific about this, but like the standard of coaching and the standard of execution and the standard of game plan is so high that it just kind of infiltrates, um, you know, the rest of the staff, because like Kyle is notoriously hard on his staffs and offensive staffs. And I think it leads to this, these guys that, and, and again, it's, it's, it's not hard because you get guys that want to be pushed. They want to be coached. They want to get better. They want to kind of be the best. And there's times where you look at other staffs I've been a part of, I'm not going to name those staffs where that's not always been the case. You get guys kind of surviving each and every day, doing enough to kind of scrape through. And I think identifying those people is, is super, super critical. And I think the other thing that's really important is like he trains coaches the way he wants to train them, you know, and, um, you know, Mike McDaniel was a big part of that when I was there kind of helping Kyle establish his, his vision to the staff was always super important. And that was something Kyle did. And now he's got Chris Forrester in that role, I would assume. Um, who's the run game coordinator. And I would essentially assume is kind of an analogous for the offensive coordinator at this point. Um, yeah. But, you know, like you have guys you trust. And like you mentioned this, like when I first got there, um, John Embry, who had previously been a head coach in college, like basically handled all the scheduling for him. So Kyle could focus on what Kyle wanted to focus on. And, you know, John's a tremendous coach. And so I think that's the thing is like, when you just look at the staffs and you talk to the guys from those staffs, they develop staff really well and they identify talent very well. And they, and there's not this, and I, you know, like I look at all the people that have left that building up in San Francisco and I would say, man, that would cripple most organizations because coaching is so important, but they just do such a good job of having someone kind of in the wings, someone that's learned from the guy above them that can step into that position. And then eventually that person becomes the next head coaching candidate. And it's just this really interesting cyclical thing that they've developed there. And I think it's really awesome. But again, it speaks to a standard and making sure you have the right guy, you know, the, the right coach and a guy that understands his weaknesses, understands his strengths and, um, and can, and can fill out the staff appropriately. And I think that's what you've seen in San Francisco. The other thing that I think is you un- not unique because I would, uh, presume one of one, um, but is, is critically important for Kyle is his football acumen is so high and his vision yeah. of what he think works is so high that you're not going to wind up with a coach who thinks that, you know, we should do this this way and this that way and this like you don't you don't get these mixes of philosophies because if you don't see the game the way Kyle or you're not willing to see the game that Kyle the way Kyle sees it, he's not going to hire you. So like I had assumed that Anthony Lynn uh, coming in as a former head coach as a former offensive coordinator wasn't you know as locked in on every detail uh, in the same way that or with the same vantage point that Kyle was. But he's clearly willing to get on that page to become the assistant head coach and running back coach for Kyle Shanahan. 
Um, I think of also his ability to continually find the right defensive coaches. I mean, their defense has been fantastic ever since yeah. he's been there. And some of that is they had really good talent, right? Like they, they, they did the Washington thing and went like four or five years in a row where they had first rounders up front um, to the point that they also had to do the Washington thing and trade one of their key guys away. Um, you know, they traded, uh, who's the guy who's now in Indianapolis? Oh my God. Uh, Not Eric. Is it Eric? Ar yeah. DeForest Buckner. Eric Armstead's still there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, DeForest Buckner, you know, they had to trade away because they had too many guys and couldn't devote the resources to the position. Um, once everybody came up for contracts, but like whether it's D'Amico Ryan's or now Steve Wilkes, like they've had great defensive coordinators. And I would imagine that is because there's a cohesive way that like, if Kyle thinks about offense this way, the inverse is true where he thinks about defense in a certain way and what works. And he's hunting out people who have that philosophy and thus there's continuity as well. I mean, real quick, like there's a, there's a great book that I've read uh, on the other football on soccer mm -hmm. that talks about how with in Europe, like the best clubs that have continuity are ones that employ like a director of sporting operations mm. where like, this is our vision. And we might have, because in European soccer, like if you have success at, at, you know, a Dutch club, mm. someone in Germany is going to hire you and you're not going to have that coach very long. So there's not a continuity that you have when you're at the top level, where if you have success, your coach isn't going to go anywhere like right. you have in the NFL. Right. So it's really important to have continuity in terms of style so that when you hire the next guy, you don't have a bunch of players playing uh, a style or that doesn't match because the coach had a different philosophy. So you have this director of like sporting operations that has a very clear vision and your player acquisition and your coach acquisition always fits the same mold. And it feels like Kyle has been able to do that as like the lead football guy in San Francisco, along with John Lynch and Adam Peters in their front office to say like, hey, this is how we're going to play offensively because I'm the guy, but also defensively. And when we hire a new defensive coordinator, he's going to coach the way that we want. Uh, we're going to find someone that coaches the way we want. So our personnel isn't mismatched. And that leads to long-term success. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I really think to keep it even more high level than that, I think you just, it's a competitive coaching environment. So like you're trying to, like Kyle's always trying to poke holes in what the defense is doing. And when you're doing that, you kind of flesh out rules and you say, oh, like, well, this is how we match three by one. And like, this is an issue for us. And we know that's an issue. And I think like that, that environment, again, like this high level football environment allows that to happen, you know? And I, I think, you know, I was having a conversation with someone recently about Brandon Staley, you know, and like where that, mm -hmm. where that, where that failing happened. And it was really interesting because like, they're like, he's a brilliant dude, but he didn't know like where his holes were. And he didn't really know how to like develop a staff necessarily because he'd hire guys. Right. And then he'd think, oh, because I'm so smart, I can get them there. But I think one thing that Kyle does a good job of is he hires like people to fill in his blind spots. And you mentioned he hires guys that want to get on board with him. I don't necessarily totally agree with that. I think there is some truth to that, but I think he hires guys that challenge him, that challenge him, his, not, not, not like in a mean way, but just kind of are, 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 are trying to find the next thing. And I think that's where yeah. you, and, and, and you can trust the staff. I think that's the other thing is you, they're young guys, but you can trust them. They're ready for more responsibility. And then the defensive thing I think is also really compelling too, because I do think it just going up in, in that kind of, against that offense every day is going to lead to a better defensive product, but you got to make sure you get the right guy in that position. You know, you mentioned D'Amico, you mentioned Robert Sala. Like when right. I was there, Robert was, or Sala was the coach and Sala, 
you know, like was very green at the time. I think he was a first year DC. And, but he had the same energy that the offensive staff had. And then that matriculated down to the defense. And I do think that that's why when you see like, when you see the right guy in that coordinator position, it affects everything you're doing um, offensively and defensively. And I think they've just done a great job of, of a creating an environment that brings people up and also making sure you identify the correct people uh, to fill out those positions. Yeah, totally. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I like the way you put that that matches the energy, right? Like you yeah. need, you, you need p- people that are on the same page energy wise who, who have a certain baseline, like agreements on the thing but then maybe have some different opinions on certain yeah. things and can challenge you in a healthy way um, and are willing to. And that's another right. thing as well. That actually reminded me of a story um, from a book from a political staffer that I had read. And they were younger on the in like the president's staff at the time. And they were sitting on what they called backbenchers. Because uh, mm-hmm. like when you're in a, in a meeting in the White House, there's like the table that the primary people are at. And then there's a bench behind them with all the staff. And... They walk out of the the meeting afterwards, and this guy who had been younger and was a backbencher goes up to the uh, the president and is like, "Well, I think blah blah blah." And the president looks at him and is like, "Hey, man, that was the meeting. Like, next time, speak up." Basically, right, like, "Hey, your right. your voice is welcome here. Right. I don't care that you're a backbencher. If you have a good idea, speak up." And that was like the environment that that president had created. Right. And, and that I, that willingness, even if you're Robert Sala and you're green as a DC to go to Kyle and challenge him, or to, if you're the assistant, whatever, if you're one of the Kubiak twins, uh, down on their staff, we were looking at their staff beforehand, right? We're like, are those two, maybe they're actually right. twins, maybe they're brothers, but anyway, yeah. um, you know, if you're the assistant quality control coach, but you have, uh, you see something like do you have the environment to say it? And it feels like that's what they've built there. And, and you have that healthy, challenging nature that elevates everybody. And I think when you talk to people who are from that system, like it's it's not just say whatever you want. It's like you better be well-researched right. and well-read on that subject. Like it better work. And I think that's something that it's part of that culture you're talking about. It's like, yeah, speak up. But like, we're going to give you a hard time if it's not the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like if, know if it, know if, your stuff. If it's dumb and you just said some stuff because you, you just thought of it in the moment, like that's not the solution either. Like I remember, you know, like on the, uh, what was that that thing that we listened to this offseason? The uh, podcast. Uh, the play callers. The play yeah. callers, yeah, which is great. You know, they talked about like the competitive drive to like get stuff in the game plan. But how if it wasn't, if it didn't work versus, if it worked versus cover two, but not versus cover six, and it didn't work versus this run front, like Kyle would just throw it out. And so making sure you had answers and all of those different looks and prepping it. And again, that, I think that for, for our listeners, like that is so important because what that does is it teaches that person how to game plan effectively and what makes good offensive football. And that is so, so critical because like he wants you to try, but if it's not, if, if the project's not good, like get it out of here. We're not doing that anymore. And I think that's where you see that, you see what what makes that staff special why it works for kyle why it works for sean why it works for mike and so so important yeah for sure 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.